0: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu.
1: Good morning. It's 830 on Thursday, December 7th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, what Governor Phil Bryant is saying about the threat of protests and absences... At the opening of a new museum, will he uninvite the president? Then, as the state prepares for Saturday's grand opening of the two new museums, it's an audio tour of the Museum of Mississippi history. And will a new public opioid awareness campaign help Mississippi officials educate people about abuse and options for treatment? That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Despite the threat of protest, Governor Phil Bryant says the opening of the new museums is a day every Mississippian should celebrate with the president. Governor Phil Bryant says he invited President Donald Trump months ago. But the appearance for the grand opening of Mississippi's new history and civil rights museums this Saturday has some groups calling for a cancellation. Others are planning to protest or boycott the event in downtown Jackson. Governor Bryant says the people of Mississippi should put aside political differences and welcome the president.
2: Well it's just sad. Uh, the President of the United States should be able, and, and we're very thankful that he is, going to come for this historic occasion. This is the celebration of our bicentennial's opening of the History and Civil Rights Museum. It is all right and fitting that a President of the United States would come here and do this. I want the President to see our history. I want him to see the Civil Rights Museum. Um, I know as it touched my heart, it's going to touch the heart of everyone that goes through there. Uh, And and we we are better than that. We are kinder uh, and and more tolerant here in Mississippi than I think perhaps other places. And so let allow the president to come uh, and honor Mississippi with uh, his speech and his presence.
1: When asked his response to requests to ask the president not to come, Governor Bryant says no.
2: Well, that's just not going to happen. Um, it, we are, as I said, very fortunate that the President of the United States is coming to Mississippi. It hasn't happened since the 1990s, and, uh, and so we're going to celebrate his presence. I think he is going to have uh, a testimonial speech that day, and it will be a wonderful celebration for all of Mississippians. People should lay aside any political uh, positioning or pandering that they may have. This is a day for the president of the United States to come and honor Mississippi. And that's what he intends to do. And I intend to uh, be there with him when he does so.
1: Governor Bryant went on to say he's not concerned about protests detracting from the event.
2: I don't think so. It should add to it. Uh, as we talked about this months ago with representatives of the museum and, and, and how it would be uh, so important to have the president of the United States coming at this opening. We think it's that big. Let's look at the quite honestly the millions upon millions of dollars of advertisement. And people all over the world will say oh now we see that they have a wonderful A world-class civil rights and history museum in Mississippi and maybe we ought to go there and see that. Uh, That will be a tremendous benefit to the opening of this museum. I I truly believe that Mississippians uh, are going to come together. We're going to listen to the President of the United States. We're going to allow him to see the history uh, of Mississippi and the civil rights struggle And, and I think he will be moved by that and that will be all the better for all of us.
1: Governor Bryant says he believes President Trump will only be in town for a short while. Groups, including the NAACP, say Trump should cancel his appearance and his speech because of his record on civil rights issues. NAACP President Derek Johnson called Trump's planned attendance an affront to the veterans of the civil rights movement. Dennis Damer is the son of Vernon Damer Sr., a civil rights leader killed 50 years ago when Ku Klux Klansmen firebombed his family's home and business near Hattiesburg, his father is featured in the Civil Rights Museum. Damer, Damer says when President Trump confirmed his attendance at the opening of the two museums in Jackson, some family members decided to stay away.
0: Some of us will be there primarily for the purpose of supporting the legacy and the memory of our father, as well as the other martyrs in that museum and the other individuals that are there. But... Some of my family members have opted not to make the trip, and they have opted to do that because Donald Trump is there, and they feel very strongly, like all of us do, that his civil rights record had been good, okay? And they feel it's just an insult for him to come there to that site when you consider the history of Mississippi in the Civil Rights Movement. The governor of Mississippi saw fit to invite him there. To us, that shows insensitivity on the part of the governor. Now, granted, more is going on that day than the opening of the Civil Rights Museum, the opening of the museum, Mississippi uh, History Museum, but uh, to it asked an individual to attend who in the past has shown that he has a real affinity for uh, a real likeness for people who preach hate specifically the Klan, these neo-nazis you know he's taken this president on some occasions one two maybe three times before he would make a really forceful statement to disavow the actions of those of those individuals so when it takes an individual that long, it makes you wonder just how sincere those words are.
1: Despite the disappointment, Damer says he's moving forward. I understand that there are a lot
0: of folks who are not going to show up, and I understand their reasoning for that, but you have to face these kind of issues head on. So if an individual stands up there and makes statements that are out of context that are brash totally inappropriate and he has a history of doing that he is tainting that atmosphere by his very presence based upon what his actions and inactions have been
1: dennis damer with our ashley norwood Coming up, as the state prepares for Saturday's grand opening of the two new museums, it's an audio tour of the Museum of Mississippi History. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: On Creature Comforts, we talk about Mississippi's abundant wildlife with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and a special guest each week. Also, Dr. Troy Major is on hand to answer questions about your pets. I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Thursday mornings at 9 with a repeat broadcast Saturday mornings at 6 for Creature Comforts
3: on MPB Think Radio. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org.
1: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians are gearing up for the opening of two museums showcasing the rich history of the state. The event is poised to bring national attention to the state. With the Bicentennial Celebration theme, One Mississippi, Many Stories, as the backdrop for this occasion, the Museum of Mississippi History and Mississippi Civil Rights Museum are tasked with presenting 200 years of life. Rachel Myers is director of the Museum of Mississippi History. She tells us how you fit the entire history into one museum.
4: You do it in a huge facility like this, and we do it through stories. So the theme is One Mississippi, Many Stories, where we're using about 1,600 artifacts to tell individual stories of Mississippians and how they define us as a state. You
1: would start with the Choctaw Indians. They were the first ones here. Where do, How far up do you go?
4: Absolutely, we're moving chronologically. So we have about eight chronological yeah. galleries yeah. and three thematic breakouts. So we start at the very beginning. We start at First Peoples, move us through first contact with Europeans, up through the territorial period, introduction of cotton and slavery, up through the war. And by the time you get to the second floor you look out, we're kind of going straight through to the 21st century.
1: What is the, um, the, most, the latest thing that you have in the museum? What's the most contemporary thing in the museum?
4: Oh, excellent. Good question. It's definitely some things that represent um, industry. So we have some things from Nissan or some things from Cathead Vodka, um, a local uh, distillery here in, in Jackson.
1: Do you know, you said 1,600 artifacts.
4: Where do they all come from? The department has been collecting artifacts since 1902. So it has been people (laughs) donating to the state, wanting to take care and showcase Mississippi history. So many of these artifacts were on display in the Old Capitol Museum. Uh, And now that we have such a large facility, many are on display for the very first time. So these are coming from Mississippians.
1: Let's get started. Where do you want to take us first? Let's
4: start at the very beginning. Our First Peoples Gallery and also our thematic gallery called Enduring Cultures about the contemporary experience of Choctaw and Chickasaw Peoples here in Mississippi and in Oklahoma.
1: Go ahead. Now we're at the place where it all began. How many thousands of years ago? Absolutely, 15,000 years ago. How do we know 15,000 years ago?
4: Archaeologists. (laughs) We have an amazing collection of archaeological evidence that really allows us to take a peek into what life must have been like back then, the way that people traveled and built communities uh, and had the same hopes and dreams that we do today.
1: We know about the Choctaw tribe. What other Native people were in Mississippi?
4: Yeah, the largest populations were Choctaw and Chickasaw tribes, uh, and we actually interpret the contemporary tribes of Mississippi and also those that were relocated to Oklahoma in an adjacent gallery called Enduring Cultures.
1: Now, who do these guys represent? Sure, so
4: this is First Contact. Uh, this is talking about French explorers coming to Mississippi for the first time and engaging with Native populations in the 1600s.
1: Was there any animosity, any violence between Indians and
4: visitors? Depending on the population. You know, folks that came in and wanted to make the land their own definitely had some adversity. And um, then there were some that came in and, and wanted to live amongst and learn from native populations. So we tell a variety of those different narratives here in the museum.
1: What else will we see in this section?
4: Sure, so this this lower level of the gallery, we're starting with First Peoples, an amazing collection of archaeology uh, and some interactives where you can see a comparison of tools used then and used today. Uh, and then again, this first contact, thinking about what life was like in Natchez at that time, one of our earliest communities, and also a reimagining of the Mount Locust Inn, um, an idea along the Natchez Trace when peddlers would come on through and, and have a place to rest and eat.
1: Which is still there.
4: It is still there. Um, we're encouraging folks to explore Mississippi. We have um, a variety of places here that are featured in the museum that are just the tip of the iceberg of what um, historical and cultural assets that we have to offer here in our state.
1: And I recommend seeing the carpet and <laughs> that's leaves. I thought it was something else. You walk it, just carpet.
4: Yeah, come to our museum. Creative. We have these immersive experiences. That and make standing you behind
1: weird. you is a huge tree.
4: Yeah, when you when you come into the first gallery you are in the woods. It is as if the beginning of time here in Mississippi. A little
1: bit of everything. Where are we going to go next?
4: We're gonna head upstairs to our next two galleries.
1: Now is this the biggest artifact
4: in the museum? It's definitely one of them.
1: This is called what? The Civil
4: War Room? This is what we're calling sense of duty. So we're interpreting Civil War history, but also Mississippians' participation in more recent conflicts all the way through the World Wars and more recent ones.
1: In the Civil War, I noticed as we were coming in, there are more than just military artifacts in here.
4: Yeah, you know, Mississippians were all impacted by the war. So we're talking about the home front and what it was like for women and families um, who were living here at the time as well.
1: I've heard that there were a lot of amputations during the war, like quick amputations, but that has led to some medical advances.
4: Yeah, and those are some of my favorite artifacts in this gallery is all the old saws and instruments and the way that you know medical advances were able to move very rapidly um, as so many, unfortunately, were injured. Are
1: uh, Are there any things in this room that are interactive that people can look at and and see actual movement or information that moves?
4: Yes, it enables us to have a real depth of knowledge here in uh, this gallery. So we have an interactive where you can uh, touch 21, over 20 different battles of the Civil War uh, and see kind of all the different movements of the regiments and the people and the diaries and the letters um, of the people that were here in Mississippi during the war.
1: Did these artifacts also come from the Capitol Museum?
4: Yes, some of these were on display in the old Capitol Museum.
1: Do you also get artifacts from families who had someone from their family in the war?
4: Yes, I mean, you know, the Department of Archives and History has been collecting for many, many years. Uh, 1902 is when they started, so uh, a large part of the collection are from um, Confederates.
1: What else is in here? You said there were other wars, not just the Civil War.
4: Uh, yes. Yeah, so the, the sense of duty gallery, we're moving into contemporary conflicts. We have World War One. We have an um, army machine gun um, from Germany, from World War Two, uh, moving into Afghanistan and Iraq, contemporary conflicts.
1: I want to point out that there are some last minute t- touches going on. That's the noise you're hearing behind us. Um, what else in this particular area?
4: In the area that we're standing in yes, right now, again, yes. uh, this is Sense of Duty. We have um, on display a beautiful collection of um, historic flags. Again, talking about each of these groups were carrying on the battlefield. Uh, we also have a collection of Mississippi silver from the USS Mississippi, uh, which is a fan favorite, as I've been giving tours around the galleries. Uh, these really beautiful collections of silver that were on each of the ships named after our state.
1: All right, wonderful. Rachel Myers, again, is the director of the museum, and thank you so much for the tour today.
4: Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming. We look forward to having everyone after opening.
1: Don't miss a sneak peek of the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum tomorrow. Coming up, will a new public opioid awareness campaign help Mississippi officials educate people about abuse and options for treatment? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Black women are three times as likely to die giving birth as white women. Poverty and lack of prenatal care are factors, but so is racism and the unrelenting stress hormones it releases over years.
3: Pregnancy
0: is a big stressor on the body, and a healthy body can adapt to it, but a body that's
1: worn out will have a much harder time. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. That story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi officials are rolling out a new public awareness campaign to combat the state's opioid crisis. It's called Stand Up, Mississippi. The campaign features radio and TV ads and a new website. It's being introduced by a coalition of Mississippi state agencies. Diana Mikula is executive director of the Department of Mental Health.
5: It's a partnership, it's a collaborative effort between the Department of Mental Health, the Department of Public Safety, the Board of Pharmacy, Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics, and uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration. It's a collaborative effort to... start this initiative called Stand Up Mississippi. We're asking all Mississippians to join us in this partnership as we fight together to end the opioid crisis in Mississippi.
6: I know there have been um, talk for some time about coming up with a campaign, some type of awareness approach. What do you hope that this will do? I hope this campaign
5: will... Uh, reach out to all Mississippians to give them access to treatment options and, and uh, services that are available in the community, educate them about opioids and the addictive nature of an opioid, and also just give them hope for the future. We have success stories of individuals who have dealt with opioid abuse and who who are in recovery. And so we want to share with families and individuals that there is hope to to live a life of recovery and to to be productive citizens
6: and to, to get past this part in your life. When you talk about treatment, I know that there have been some cuts to mental health. How are you going to help people in that area? Well, we're very fortunate to have
5: a federal grant that is addressing our treatment options. We have a grant where we're spending 80% of that on expanding treatment services through our community mental health centers. So we're really fortunate to have a a grant that we're utilizing, a federal grant to offer services to individuals who need addiction services and treatment.
6: Do you know how much that grant is by any chance? It's $3.6
5: million, and 80% of that is going to provide treatment services.
6: And what will the rest go for?
5: The rest is going to efforts like today, this um, campaign that that we are launching, as well as providing Narcan to law enforcement officers across the state in an effort to save lives.
6: Will there be a hotline that people can call if they're in distress or have a family member in distress?
5: Yes, on the website there is a number for individuals to call who are seeking treatment and need additional resources, so that number is available on the website.
6: How will you know if it's working or not? How will you be able to judge?
5: I think we'll know by looking at the numbers of uh, individuals who are seeking treatment related to opioids and heroin. We'll know by hopefully seeing a decrease in the number of deaths related to heroin overdose. I think we've got good data, and we're looking to, to monitor that data to see that we are making a difference. This is an effort that we need all Mississippians to stand up with us to fight this opioid crisis. It is going to take not only law enforcement and health care professionals and elected officials, but it's going to take the citizens of Mississippi educating themselves and standing up and saying that we are going to fight this crisis
6: together. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you.
1: As of Thanksgiving, officials say 222 Mississippians have died of drug overdoses, many of them from opioids. John Dowdy is director of the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics. He tells our Desiree Frazier about it.
3: Really excited about the campaign. I think this is going to do a lot in helping educate uh, more Mississippians about the, the problems that we have uh, on, on the opioid epidemic. Uh, It's going to be a great resource tool for people who are needing to find treatment, Um, have a one-stop shopping, basically, to find treatment centers, uh, recovery support systems around the state of Mississippi. And uh, right now, you know, as we've been trying to do this year, I think education is is a continued key to success. I think this campaign is going to help in that process.
6: What do you see as the biggest challenge? Because you've been going around the state doing town hall meetings and talking to people. What is your sense of the challenge?
3: Overwhelming. You know, at this point, uh, we've surpassed our drug overdoses for last year. Uh, About 85 87% of those are opioid-related. Uh, We've had 222 reported to the Bureau of Narcotics through Thanksgiving. Um, I've talked to coroners around the state, and we know that uh, they are waiting on results from other suspicious deaths. I'm afraid that our drug overdose totals this year are going to probably exceed 300. If not, they're going to be very close to it. And that's 300 too many, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, this particular drug crisis that we're dealing with is, is unlike any other narcotics uh, crisis that we've ever faced because you, have, you, because you have a legal source of drugs that are coming through the doctors that has resulted in a substantial amount of addiction. But that, then you also have the black market side of it. Um, you know, we've had, I think, 37 pharmacy burglaries so far this year. They're targeting nothing but the opioids, so they're selling that on the street. We've got counterfeit opioids coming in from the cartels down in in, uh, in, in Mexico uh, that are oftentimes nothing more than fentanyl. Um, we're literally being hit from every front and you know we're doing everything we can at the Bureau of Narcotics working with our federal uh, county and local partners to to combat the illegal drug trade, but you know right now uh, you know we're down 24 agents in the Bureau of Narcotics. Um, I don't even have enough agents currently uh, to put one in every county. You know, so that makes it taxing. I mean, my guys are are up for the fight. You know, they're doing everything they can and, and working as hard as they can, and and we're making lots of drug arrests, um, but you know it would certainly help if if we had those additional resources that have that, that we currently are not able to fill to you know it just it helps us combat the illegal drug trade more and um i understand the budget situation in in the state but i mean this this is this is absolutely a crisis that we have got to get an urgency about
6: is there anywhere in the country that you've met people who are having success with this that you're looking to model after? You're finding some things that are working. Uh,
3: we, I mean, we have found, you know, places where different uh, efforts have been successful. Um, it, in a lot of states, it's even more overwhelming uh, to them than it is to us, and we're headed that way. Um, but ultimately, I think that, you know, what we have presented to the governor by way of the uh the task force proposals is probably one of the most comprehensive uh, programs uh, that we uh, have seen anywhere in the country. And I'm proud of what we're what we're doing here in Mississippi in, in that regard. I hope that people will take advantage of the resources now being offered to them uh, to help educate themselves on on how how serious this problem is.
6: Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: The website for the campaign is StandUpMS.org. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Creature Comforts. At 10, it's Season Pass. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. And then join us tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
0: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.com.